think we on to something. Yeah, I think we on to something. Let's go. Waking up early, I'ma never be late Learning what I want, like y'all better relate And we celebrating life till we better see straight They trying to hold me back, but I'll never delay nah, never de- Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of The Coach's Call uh, The debut episode, we're here with Coach Michael Case He's the head coach of the Women's Basketball Pro- Programme at the University of Manchester. He's been coaching in the UK basketball scene for over 10 years, being involved with different universities, national league. It's great to have you on, coach. Introduce How yourself. You doing, man? No, it's a pleasure, man, to be on your uh, your first your first episode. Is, uh, it's, it's, it's really nice. So I appreciate that, man, definitely. Thanks, coach. Um, introduce yourself to the ones that may not have heard of you or are new to the scene and want to get to know about Coach Case. All right, so yeah, it's uh, Michael Case, head coach, University of Manchester, um, founder of Manchester Kings Basketball in Manchester. Um, been coaching about 16 years now. Um, home and raised, London born, obviously, and been moved to Manchester for the last three years. So yeah. Great. Um... For those that do not know, Coach actually, um, Coach Case was my coach. So he coached me at a very young age. Um, you sound so old now. <laughs> sound well, old, man. <laughs> and, then, and then we reconnected through university, which is amazing. And, and to be honest, since then, it's great to have a coach, a mentor, and also a friend. So it's a, a pleasure to have you on today, Coach. Um, so uh, you talked you talked about growing up in London, and let's start from the beginning. So whereabouts did you grow up in London? I grew up in Northwest London, Church Road, to be exact. Um, if anybody doesn't know Church Road, you probably know it over the last week or so what's been happening there. But it was a different climate back then. But I grew up in Church Road. Um, wasn't the uh, not wasn't wasn't known for the best reasons, but um, you know, I mean it. It, it was a, I guess it was a motivation for me to make it to, to be a to be a different person. So yeah, I grew up there, um, and um, you know it's uh, that's where it all kicked off. From there, I went straight to uh, Mobley, and that's where I kind of found the love for basketball. So when when you say that you you know you grew up in Church Road, um, was there a lot of sports happening? So what kind of because UK football is number one, right? So what yeah, kind of yeah. drew what kind of drew you to to the game of basketball? Right. So to be honest, um, with most kids, their first love is football. So when I first started sports, it was football. Um, I used to play for my school. I played for the, I played for Brent. I had trials with County. You know, what I mean, and then I started the kind of path to go into to be. Um, in the semi-professional professional structure so I obviously started at youth football at a, outside of school which was at a high level um, and then obviously I got introduced to a different sport when I reached secondary school um, the grassroots in, in terms of where I lived um, it was only football I guess um, there wasn't really anything else going on at the later stages or the time that I started to kind of grow up a little bit probably about 17, 18, they introduced the basketball court into the area. Um, but bef- like I said before, um, 
before then it wasn't really kind of recognizing the area to go elsewhere to play basketball and stuff like that so yeah would you, would you say that your that your skills from say football transitioned into basketball um i wouldn't say everything because it's it's different sets of muscles that are required per se when you when you're playing different sports um but there is a kind of crossover into regard in, in regards to reaction time reading players and stuff like that um that you could kind of use and piggyback to go to another sport and kind of get your way in the door so yeah there was a little bit of that but it was obviously learning the mechanics of basketball everyone knows it's a little bit different than football so you know what i mean yeah. so yeah, yeah. Mm. so following on you told me that um you so growing up in in northwest london you said you found Mobley. So for the ones that do not know, Mobley is home to Westminster Warriors. Uh, when I was growing up, say, in the 2000s, uh, Warriors, even till now, is, is one of the, the oldest and the, the, the well-known clubs in London. Um, and it's well-founded. It's, it's built consistent roots. And it's, it's given, you know, in terms of reputation, it's, it's quite high. So when you say you found yourself in Mobley, did you know about the Warriors already? Uh, did you know what they no, were doing? No, I never. So what happened was um, in my junior, when my first time playing basketball, um, it was about playing in the schools. So we played in schools with my school, Copeland, which is reformed, as you know, the name's changed to, what was it, Elgin Academy, is it something? Is that Ark Elgin? <laughs> Ark Elvin, that's what it's changed oh, to now. Okay. So I used to go to that school there. Um, and we had a basketball team. It was a small team, you know what I mean? They had a few guys, but we had guys that kind of, you know, like you, you grew up and you've seen Jordan and Chicago Bulls and stuff like that. So we had our scorer, but funny enough, we used to call our scorer Penny. But his name was Howard, but we called him Penny because that's who we idolized. Then we had a rebounder who was just like Rodman. Like he just rebounded so well. You know what I mean? And then we had a few players around us. So that was our team in the school. And obviously, you play different schools and stuff like that. Um, after that, we went. I went to trials for Brent. So many players there. You know what I mean? And I made so many friends from that, from that opportunity. Um, I lost out in the last spot to one of the players, which probably, if he continued playing basketball at that level right now, he probably would be pro. Um, his name's Callister Woods. Um, fantastic player. If you don't know about him, you could ask around anyone in, in our era or maybe a year below and I'll tell you how really good he was. Um, Callison Woods, and I lost that to him. Um, but after that, we built a friendship. So after that friendship was built and stuff like that, we had we went to, used to go to Liverpool Parks and go to tournaments and stuff like that. The first tournament I went to was in Kingsbury. It was a free on free tournament. At the time, I went with a guy named Jason who used to play for London Towers. So he used to play for London Towers and his brother. And we had a three-on-three -three team. And I'm like, yo, we can't lose in this team. Like, my team is wicked. But then we came against the Waxman. So worry, lads. These guys are organized. It was, it was, they were a level up for me 100%. You know what I mean? And they killed us. Like, you know what I mean? But after that, because these guys that I know from the trials, we went and hang out. And they said to me, why don't you come down to Westminster Warriors and train with us? And I'm like, all right, cool, I'll do it, no problem. So I came down, and that's when Westminster Warriors began. Um, I'm going to tell you something now. My first training session there, I lasted about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, lasted, I lasted half an hour because the intensity that was there, 
I was not used to in anything I've ever done in any sport. So literally, we were doing something for half an hour. I said, I need to go to the toilet. Went to the toilet, grabbed my bag, and I ran off, and I didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> who, didn't come who, was, who, who was coaching at Warriors? At the time when I started there, it was Sterling Machette and Normal, and Normal Shiri. So those were my coaches at the time when I first got there. Um, obviously, we were introduced to Steve Alexander, who founded the club. Um, so obviously, so Steve used to come in. But it was a bit of a crazy situation because how I looked at it, it was Sterling. People like used to be like, yeah, a little bit chilled. Normal, absolute silence. You can't hear her. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even step out of line. You wouldn't even dream about it, you know? And um, yeah, so, so they was our coaches at the um, at junior level. But do, do you think that creates like a good... A good team, like a good dynamic, you know, you get one that's uh, one way, which is, you know, like you said, calm. Um, you feel that you can kind of relax and chill, uh, but still take seriously. But then you get someone like Namo who's, who's more strict. Mm. Um, do you think they complement each other very well? Um, they did go well together, 100%. Like, at the time, I would say Sterling was probably one of the best number twos I've ever seen. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's me being real. In my experience of basketball, he was one of the best number twos I've ever seen. Um, as a junior, it was always nice to see something that wasn't as intense as the other. But as you flip the script as a coach, you need to be on the same page and you need to be given the same respect. So I feel like we failed Sterling in that sense where we kind of gave him respect, but not the same respect that we gave Normal. And we should have always did that, you know what I mean? But seeing that, um, the, the, the ethics and what they were trying to deliver was identical. You know what I mean? It's absolutely identical. Which is Which definitely is key, key to like, building a, a strong program is that the, the culture and the message is, is always, uh, always executed through, through the training sessions, through the games, which is why I think I believe Westminster Warriors is, is successful even to the state, uh, which is amazing. Um, so I actually touched on what you meant, uh, what you mentioned about Brent. Uh, what team was that? Was that actually Brent Borough team or was it a, a, a club team? Okay. No, the Borough. And, the borough. And where, where were they training in Brent? Do you remember? At the time when we went to play for Brent, we we trained at um, Wilson Sports Centre. That's where the trials was. Wilson okay. Sports Centre is where the trials was. Um, so many people there. You know what I mean? And at that stage, there were so many guys that we recognised at a junior level that was, even for me, they were way ahead of me. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. Try and see how far I get. So um, there were so many people there. Patrick, Calliston, myself, uh, Leon Smith, there was Shaq. There were so many people there that from my era that were there and they were well, well higher up and even from other schools. Like John Kelly had a really good school program at the time. Um, Hempstead Heath had a, oh, I'm not even getting to that. That was like Ringer City. That was probably like the best basketball team at my era. Um, and like I said, there were so many different schools that had different talented players in there. So um, yeah, it was, it was a good experience to say the least. I still didn't kind of grasp, grasp how structured basketball was at that time. Um, so I was going there to play, not kind of think it through, if that makes sense. I was just like a streetballer in, in an organized situation. Um, so I didn't grasp yeah. it. And only went to, when I went to Warriors is when I kind of 
understood the difference between structured basketball and recreational basketball. Okay, so so now we we go into a journey where you're in where you're in Warriors. Um, you said you were playing and competing at junior national level. Is that correct? Or junior? Yeah, level? yeah. We we played in a national league um, at the time. The rivalry was between us. Hackney White Heat was there, and I'll be honest, even Solent was there back in the day. Solent was pretty much up there as well. Um, but the rivalry was always fierce. It was White Heat and Warriors. The, the, the rivalry was always fierce. I'll be honest to you, when I first started playing for Warriors, it wasn't the best of situations for me. Um, for the first season, I think I didn't play. Hard. I don't think I played at all. I just made can talk, man. Sitting on the bench, riding them all the time. Um, for most players, um, for most players, that could break someone. You know what I mean? And say to them, oh, just give it up kind of thing. Um, but we were always given the mentality of, you know what, if just, just work harder. You know what I mean? Work harder, come back stronger, and prove yourself, and, and you'll get rewarded. So, yeah, in the beginning, there were so many, so many um, obstacles to face. You know what I mean? Just to get up to speed and understand where we needed to go. And like I said, the training there at the time was, is, 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 is always met, remained embedded in, obviously, some things I do today. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a tough experience. But, yeah, we played against a lot. So, like, London Towers, and we killed London Towers. You know what I mean? Um, we used to play, we played against, so, like I said, we played against Solent, White Heat. Um, we actually went up to play against England at the one time. <laughs> I made it half, half, half. We actually played against England's selected team. Went up there to play the game. And we, I think we were, we were very late, but we beat them. <laughs> they actually beat them. We actually beat them. Um, so there was a lot of experience there, like I said, in my first couple of years there, obviously. But then I had to come back and prove myself, work harder, try to get myself into a position where I kind of get a bit of more playing time. And it did work for me. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say I would ended up being one of the starters, because I didn't. But, you know what I mean? It, it, I got playing, you know what I mean? I got more understanding. I started to ride. And, and the training from the team itself was fantastic because not only – we never always just end up chilling on the court when we played ball. It was off the court as well. We used to go to everywhere together all the time. We used to come train nonstop. So, yeah, it was, it was good, man. It was absolutely good. I, I always say the, the youth basketball, especially, you know, say you're, you're playing from 11 to, say, 18, is, is more – it's definitely a brotherhood because um, you're always spending a lot of time with each other. Not that the basketball at the higher ages are not a brotherhood, but because that's part of, essential part of your growing, isn't it? Those, those age groups. Um, and you have a lot of time, especially in the summer, and usually you find yourselves playing at, bas uh, at basketball courts the whole day, isn't it? Or, or spending yeah. whole days with each other. Um, that's how I remember my, uh, my uh, teenage years playing basketball. Um, so playing Warriors, playing at junior level, getting that experience. Uh, when I first met you, you were actually playing and coaching at a uh, national league program. So you were coaching at Omega, the name of the, uh, the, yeah. the club at the time, um, and they had a. They were you were actually yeah. playing at a local, the local league team for them. So yeah. uh, tell me your kind of story behind Omega um, and playing at say you transition from Warriors to playing at senior level? Um, 
Warriors, I mean, your Warriors, it was a, I can't remember which came first. Maybe Omega came. Did Omega come first? I played up until, I played locally at Warriors. I played locally at Warriors. Um, at one stage, I played, I was a player coach there um, for one season. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, some of the players that I played were real good players. Like, we played with some real good guys. Um, for, for the for, sorry to cut you off, coach. For those who do not know local league, it's um, it's been around for a while. Um, I believe it's been around since the early nineties, right? The, yeah, it's been uh, very been for a very long time. So, uh, local league in London, um, it's a league between clubs within the London area, but usually it's quite competitive because you actually get some pros and semi pros that that, com that compete during the games because they're on say weekday evenings or say uh, a Sunday or a Sat uh, not a Saturday so it doesn't conflict with National League but on the Sunday just to get extra reps and just to to get an extra sweat so they'll play a local league game so the co the competition at local league especially at premiership um, I think it, it is a very high level um, mm. so did you say you were playing at local league with Warriors? Yeah I played local league with Warriors um, I think maybe Two seasons, um, two seasons I was playing locally Warriors, and then obviously I think I met Sue Tuttlebury at Midnight Madness. I met her at Midnight Madness, and we kind of think it was Midnight Madness. I think it probably was, and um, or maybe before that. Shout, shout, shout out Sue Tuttlebury. Yeah, um, and obviously the opportunity we came to, to. She gave me the opportunity to to, to coach yourself and a few others um, at that time. Um, so that was kind of early days in kind of, for me, in regards to being a coach. Um, playing, there was guys that I saw playing at that local league level that um, it was all right to play in, you know what I mean? I met, actually, I met, um, what's his name there? Papa, what's his name? I can't remember his name. <laughs> I can't remember these names, bro. Um, <laughs> I met, there's a there's a guy that I met that actually was a recognised player. I can't remember it. It'll come to me in a bit. Um, but yeah, there was an opportunity to play there and stuff like that. And obviously for me to learn and coach kids and and kind of uh, present my style and stuff like that to 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 to, to the guys. Um, I felt like we had a really good bunch of kids at the time. Obviously, you was there and, and a few others. Um, so it was it was nice. It was nice. It was short lived, but it was nice. So um, Sue Tottenbury was actually. For those who do not know, she was the Omega uh, club manager. So she did a lot for the community in the Southeast at that time. You know, I remember she's providing courses, uh, running the club. She's also playing for the women's team at Omega, yes. correct? I, I think I remember. Yeah, um, and she did a lot. So shout out to um, if she's actually tuning in and watching this. Um, but I remember growing up, she did a lot for that club. Uh, so moving on, say now you this was your first taste of coaching. Did you actually ever see yourself as a coach? Um, it was something that I wanted to do. It was something I wanted to do. So um, the first taste of the coach was all right, and then I, I you know, I mean, I decided to go back home to Warriors, and that's when I asked Steve Alexander to coach the women's local league team. Um, and I remember when I asked him, and first he laughed because he didn't think I was serious. He's like, "Are you serious? Like, Case, Case, are you serious?" I was like, yeah, I want to I wanna do it. You know what I mean? So he's like, all right, come to the office, come to see. So I went back to the office, obviously in Mobley. 
have a conversation, kind of release the contacts and who was there at the situation, try to recruit players. So now there I am with a, a, a new new team, more or less a new team, few old players. Um, and that was me kind of <clears throat> me kind of getting my first actual dig at kind of senior women. Um, I literally, be honest with you, literally half the time I was in, the first time I actually started coaching there, I knew very little. Like, still didn't know that X and O's perfect, uh, in, in, a, in a good way. Um, had a plan, just didn't know how to execute it properly. Um, so it was kind of a, a crazy time. My first game, I, uh, we were getting blown out and I stopped talking. And Steve seen it, and Steve went nuts. He just called me in his office and said, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I said, you don't ever go quiet on the team, in it, because obviously then they stop playing. It's you need to show them that you're on the front line with this. It's go crazy, kick a cheer, get a technical foul, do something, in it. Let them know you're with them all the way. Um, so since then, I kind of developed a voice um, with the team. It was we had a good set of players. It was up and down all the way um, through that season, and then we kind of the next season we kind of got a better a, a, a better crop because I actually actually got a few players from Omega as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and it was it was a it was it was good. It was a good experience. I just kept learning. I just kept learning. Um. A coach said to me once, he said, Clive never stopped coaching. And I think that's a, a valid point. He actually uh, was was evaluating the way I coached. He came down to a session, observed it, and he said, never stop coaching. So he was basically telling me, you know, when you don't stay quiet, like, you know, go to go to that individual and tell them what they need to work on. Don't never, uh, or go to the groups and, and always ask questions never stop coaching because there's you know there's a time where coaching we 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 do it so much we we get consistent at it and um and sometimes we kind of lapse and and just stay quiet or we don't know what to do we kind of want them to do their thing so i remember a coach told me that when he was evaluating me and it always stuck with me and it kind of when you mentioned you know uh don't stay quiet you know always show that you're you're with them and uh, we are with them. That's the thing. But sometimes, you know, the way the, our actions are more important. So if we can show them, um, I think that's very significant. So yeah, it's a good absolutely. point, coach. Good point. Um, so moving on. So you started coaching with the Warriors. Um, I think one of the biggest, uh, especially in, in London, what you were really known for in a five, six years span was working with the University of Westminster, correct? Yeah. Um, it was a good opportunity when it came along. Um, and I started working. When I first started working there, I, 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 I took on the women's program in my first season there. Um, and it was kind of like, it was different. It was more organized set up, but it was, it was more like you, you, university program is underrated first and foremost, because people just see it as students that want an extracurricular sport to just mess around in. You know what I mean? So shout out to all the coaches that have actually turned these programs into more serious situations and a more competitive outlook for basketball because it is part of the ladder. Um, it is part of the ladder. Um, but yeah, I, I came in and obviously I, I took on the, the women's program. Um, and it was kind of, that was kind of my opportunity to kind of 
submit myself to see what I can do. Now I've got all this spirit from Warriors and other coaching areas now it's for me to kind of make this my home and situation. So in the first season, it was a it was an okay season, finished second place. Um, second year, I had to coach both teams at the same time. So I had the men's and the women's program. And it was, to be honest, it, it was very difficult trying to, I think, I think I managed to make every game. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and if anybody that knows in basketball and in university basketball, when it's Bucks fixtures, literally your games can be in two different places at the same time or similar times. And it was very difficult to get around, but I literally may have managed to make every game. Um, that was the highlight season, obviously, I believe, because I think both seasons, both teams went undefeated that team that year. I think they both went undefeated. So the men's won their seat 10 and 0, the girls got 10 and 0. It was a good season for both of them. And yeah, that kind of cemented the style I went to play. You know what I mean? Players started to buy into the to what I was trying to deliver. You know what I mean? We started to prevent produce opportunity and then we started to get players coming in and, and the quality started coming in. It was very nice. Um, but yeah, that gave me the kind of ground to kind of cement my kind of style on on basketball and and, and see where I can go with it, you know. So when you said you had the opportunity at Westminster, how did that actually come about? Did they approach you? Did you apply for it? How? No. Uh, just, just for the ones listening that, you know, want to get into, like, university coaching. I, I, was, I was lucky, I think, because somebody knew about my, me coaching, um, and they came to me and asked me if I wanted the opportunity, and I, I spoke to them. I was like, yeah. Um, Let's do it. And I spoke to, uh, when I came in, it was like, you kind of, you, you kind of get a, you kind of get a vibe of what's who's there and what you need to do and kind of thing. So when they approached me and I spoke to the manager, which was Naz at the time, Naz is no longer there. He's working for something else, but shout out to Naz because Naz was, he was fantastic when he was there. Like literally he was behind it fully. Um, so when opportunity came um, and I got into it, it was, like I said to you before, it was kind of like, um, it was kind of a, a, a good blessing. But saying that, even though you've got the opportunity, doesn't mean you're going to keep it. So you had to prove yourself. Um, and I guess while I was there in the first couple of years, I absolutely proved myself that I was a worth. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, <clears throat> there was a lot of, uh, tough decisions I had to make. Um, so for example, in the third season, they'd done a reshuffle, um, told me that I needed to drop a team. Um, and it was a hard decision to drop the girls over the guys. Um, and I had to make that decision. And I chose the guys because the guys training and their players and their commitment was a lot better than the girls. So then I've gone from now being a women's coach to the men's coach but still got a care for the, the women's team, obviously, because they gave me the opportunity to, to do what I needed to do. Um, so yeah, so started there. Um, but I think what you want to do is when you, when, you, when you get an opportunity, you just want to work on it and be the best you can, kind of implement your philosophy, you know what I mean? Let people believe it, show them that you, 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 you truly want to be there for them, you know what I mean? And, and, and everything else will take place, you know? Really inspiring, coach. Um, we're, so going to the 2011, I think it was 20, 2011, 
was the first season that I think you won the championship um, for Westminster or 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first box championship that the university has ever achieved in basketball. Um, describe that feeling and, and what was that team like? So this was a team before I actually joined, I think. You know what? Like, you know, with universities, it's hit and miss and it's roll over dice. So what happens is you can gain players and you can lose them at the same time. People going into their last years, people coming brand new. Um, and the, the, that year, the players that came through the door was, it was amazing. Like literally the players we had coming through the door in trials, like in trials, we had crazy numbers. You know what I mean? And we, you know how it is in Harrow. It's just one small court, you know? So you've got, two hour, you've got a two hour window to filter out as much players as you possibly can to get your core strength. And then the problem with that is you could lose players that you kind of didn't get to see properly. So you have to make sure you have to do it right, you know what I mean, and offer a, a, a retrial in case you've missed anyone. Um, but there was, there was players that came through at that time was, was crazy. Um, they were, so, you know what I mean, it was crazy. And, and, and the players that kind of was on their last year, they kind of fit in very well. And it was, a, it was an amazing season to win it was like a dream come true honestly it was it was like wow i've actually achieved something here like I've, I've gone to the goal this is for me that was my first championship as well as a coach so i was like wow that's that's amazing that's absolutely amazing you know what i mean and it was kind of this is the standard i'm at now now i've got to keep it up but obviously you have to understand with that standard that you want to keep up you have to you've got objectives that you have to face again which is the players coming and going commitment and stuff like that so um it was it was amazing it was an amazing feeling definitely so that year i think the, i think the students students union offered you um or they awarded you the captain of the year correct oh coach of the year sorry. coach of the year it was the first time that it's ever been done i'll be i'll be honest with you um there was a <laughs> Uh, they, they don't do it anymore, coach. They don't, they don't even... do it anymore. There was a lot of influence. I'll be honest with you, there was a lot. It's always nice to feel recognised in what you do. Um, but there was a lot of influence into that happening. I'll be honest with you. Right. I won't go into too much detail. But there was a lot of influence to make that happen. <laughs> even though I 100% deserved it. I don't care what anyone says. I deserved it. I deserved it. But there was no, a you lot did. I mean... I mean, you delivered the championship to the university and it was a promotion. Yeah. I think the basketball team at that time were playing at the highest level as well in terms of box competition um, across all sports. So, yeah, I definitely think you deserved it, coach. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I, no, no, I, I deserved it. I don't care. But, you know, like I said, um, it was something that was tried and never tried again after that. Yeah. Like I said. Yeah. So I'd be very, I'm very fortunate to have that prestigious mm. award. Mm. I'm very... The one, the one and only coach, <laughs> coach of the year. At West <laughs> um, so, say three years, four years. You were there for five years, correct? No, I was. I was at the university since two thousand and eight. Eight, all the way till twenty fifteen, which is seven years. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's an impressive resume. What What really strung out to me. Um, especially when I was playing there, so I played for the, at a program from 2011 to 2014, um, is the connections that you built throughout there. So 
you know, uh, we as players got to experience uh, and play against Glasgow Rocks in Scotland. Um, and we also got to play one of my favourite and most memorable experiences was playing against Team USA, which is a group of, yeah, which is a group of um, collegiate athletes from America, say D3 to JUCO, uh, maybe some D2 athletes, but try, uh, they're a collective trying to get a contract in Europe. Uh, how did you actually build that connection? Um, because that Team USA, they come every year uh, with a lot of athletes wanting to play in Europe. So how did you, did you reach out to the coach? No, the guy, friends, shout out to friends, friends. Um, he, the guy, friends, he, he, came, he, would, he emailed me and said, obviously, we've got some guys coming over, some girls want to play a couple of games. So it was kind of offered out to a few people, to be fair. Um, but I was like, for me, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for our guys to see where they're at and the comparison to what we need to do. You know what I mean? So I thought it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, to be honest, there was no, there was not one time that these guys came over did I ever think um, that we were going to lose. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think we were going to lose. I was like, yo, we, we're going to, this is going to be a, a, a scalping. We can claim scalp here. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. Um, but then you, 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 when the games came around, you know, you kind of, get the reality check and I was okay with that you know what I mean I was okay with it because like I said the experience that I wanted to present to the, the teams is let's play let's see where you are you know what I mean some of you don't remain grounded and work harder some of you don't will throw a tantrum we'll see where the characters are at you know what I mean but I always try to make sure people remember this can be difficult let's remain hard let's just just remain um focused so the first game that we played obviously you was a part of it um was that the first one? Oh no! No, it wasn't. No, you was a part of the second one. The first one, the first one was a was an onslaught. <laughs> it was an onslaught for both teams. Like, I, no, it was only the men's team that came out here first year. The first year was only the men's team, and it was an onslaught. But it was it was a nice reality check. Um, I think Angel got recognition from them because he kind of played very well in that game. So. Angel got really good recognition for that because he played really well in that game. Um, and then the second year, that's when I believe you was in that one, wasn't you, Captain? Yeah. That yeah. One. Um, you know the level was how the level was. They had some really good shooters. They had some poor shooters. I remember there's one guy who went off one for 23 or something like that. <laughs> three point line, but, um, we had a good team, you know what I mean? But again, you, you know the levels. Um, the women's side situation, I'll be honest, I wanted to produce the opportunity, but because I didn't think they were there to cope, I had to recruit some players to play in that game outside of the university. Um, so it, we had shout out to like Arlene and Moji and Rachel James and Ashai and so many different players, you know what I mean? came in and they played that game and obviously they won that game. But at that time, I'll be honest with you, there were some girls on that team, I couldn't believe how tall they were. The roster 6'5". Like, there was a girl that was 6'5". I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, the opportunity was basically, like I said, was there to kind of present you guys opportunity to see where you are um, and see what needs to be done. You know what I mean? These guys are not even at the top of their, their levels playing at JUCO and D2, D3, whatever. Um, 
but you can see the difference of where we are to them. So it was, like I said, a good opportunity. The Glasgow opportunity was more of a connection. Um, we had friends in Glasgow through our Midnight Madness experiences. Um, um, and Tony Carville, Tony, shout out to Tony, she um, helped us make that move happen, um, introduced us to some good people there. And then we got the opportunity to play in Glasgow, as you know. Um, they were National League and we was just at University College. So it was a different style in, in Scotland as well. They play a more physical basketball game than we do. Um, but I feel like the, the experience in itself when we went there at all those times was fantastic too. No, I agree. And um, lo looking at the, the, the different styles as well, I, I looked at the, looking back, the officiating was quite different as well. Um, the way they see the game. Um, you really have to adjust your game according to, to how the referees call it. Um, and they were calling a lot of travels there. So uh, I remember. Um, and also, like you said, it was a more physical game as well. Um, okay, so moving on. So Westminster, you know, uh, you were there for seven seven years, right? Yeah. Was it eight? Um, and then the opportunity, you know, as they say in life, good things come to an end. Um, you had the opportunity to come to Manchester. How did the, the, that job and that opportunity come about? Um, it was a... All right, so I didn't say that to no, so I'm going to say this to you now, okay? In 2014, I was approached by them. Well, I was recommended by them, shall I say. And at the time, it was, I was meant to take over in two, season 2014 to go there um, and take over their program. Um, so it was literally laid out there for me to take. And this was kind of generated through my cousin. My cousin was at University of Manchester, Rebecca. And she said, I want you to come and coach the team. You know what I mean? I'm going to speak to the AU and, and obviously get it in. So pretty much it was laid out quite flat. Okay. Um, but what happened was that year, the coach that was meant to step down chose not to step down. Um, so I was into, so I kind of continued um, with, uh, <clears throat> with the University of Manchester, uh, sorry, University of Westminster. But I felt coming towards the end of that 2014 season, I felt like I couldn't do anything more. Um, 2014, 2015 season, I felt I couldn't do anything more in terms of upping the levels of some players and stuff like that. I felt like this is, it's become stagnant now. This is where some of these guys are at. Now, I'm all sitting there and blame them for that because you have limitations, two hours training sessions, you know what I mean? Four hours a week isn't enough for most people to get to the next level, you know what I mean? Um, even though we had a few other things in place like the local league setup and stuff like that, it wasn't enough for, for players to get to the next level. Some people were playing a lot more outside of the university than others, like yourself, you had uh, the Filipino leagues and stuff like that, and a few others. Um, but some of them wasn't, they wasn't like that, you know? And, you know, I mean, it, it takes more than two or three players to make that excel. Um, so in 2015, obviously, to be honest, I didn't part on the best ways. Um, 
it wasn't the best best departure ever. To be fair, there was a lot going on, um, a lot of mistakes were made, um, which even up to this day, kind of really truly regret. Um, and I wish I could have handled them a lot better. If you understand what I mean, I wish I could have handled a lot better. Um, but yeah, in 2015, the opportunity came back again. 100%, this guy stepped down. Um, <clears throat> and I went up there and literally it was something completely different to what I experienced at Westminster. I was in front of a five-person panel having this interview. <laughs> so literally they told me to bring a game plan, talk about stuff, and they were asking me so many different questions and stuff like that. But they were pleased and they, they, was, they, they, they looked at it and they were like, they were really impressed by it. But I could tell from the questions that I was getting from the panel, there was a lot of dysfunctional things going on in that program. But yeah, once I got there, it was, it was, like, a, it was like a new chapter, a new, a new opportunity. So transitioning, say, from London to up north, because you, you always had ties with North, isn't it? I, I believe you used to travel back and forth sometimes. Um, but for the ones that are, are not used to, say, the, the kind of culture and the style of basketball up there, is it completely different to London? Um, I'll be honest with you, yeah. There's different things where London still excel more than them, and there's things where they excel more than London. So. The culture in, in, in Manchester is like, when it was my time in the coaching industry and players and people wanted players in London, um, if you went, so let's say for example, you uh, belong to a different club and I was interested in you. Please believe if I approached you, there would have been a big full on argument about that situation. You understand what I'm saying? In Manchester, if a team can't do um, if the team couldn't bring a player to another level, they're happy to pass that player on to get what they need. I'm not saying it is like that in London. It's probably changed now a lot. I haven't been in the basketball industry per se that much in London for a long time. But um, if, if a player gets to a certain level and they can't, they pass them on. They pass them on and, and it, you know what I mean? It's still, it kind of, the ladder grows for them and they get to do certain things. So in that sense, um, basketball I felt was a better platform for things or to, to generate things um, as a coach um, but what I will say in terms of talent and I still people can get at me as much as they want yeah London is still superior when it comes to the individual talent 100% like the game is a little bit way different like the, the, the fear factor, the intensity is a lot more um, in London than it is in Manchester. And me being from London, coming to Manchester, I've tried to kind of give them a, a taste of that and instill that kind of, that kind of um, style of play and, and, and that up Manchester. So it is different. I feel like in, up here, they're still a little bit different behind, but you know what I mean? There's both that you can learn from and then it can come together and do different things. And I agree. I think it, it's, um, it's, 
in terms of how London performs in like the regionals and you can actually see it. You can see it. The style of plays are completely different, but it's nice to get the insight as a coach because you're coached from both different regions. Um, and it's nice to actually get that perspective uh, because you know firsthand uh, what it's like running your own club in North, running your own club in, 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 in South as well. So, no, sorry, in London. Um, it's, it's just good to get that insight. Um, so your first season at the University of Manchester, um, how was that like? It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I had to, I don't, I, I, this was, like I said, this is for me, like I said, the coaching next level stuff for me um, because I took a lot of time to kind of see what I was up against. So I had to, I got information of what the record was prior to myself, how the team was playing, who doesn't like who and stuff like that. And I identified what needed to change. And there was a little bit of, there was a lot of political stuff that was happening with the team. And I literally just kind of, so when I, when I made my, my appearance, I sit down and I said to the team, this is brand new slate. Like no matter what you've done in the past, now you have to convince me that you, you belong here. So there was a big reshuffle in terms of who was the starters, who was the bench players and stuff like that. It, it kind of changed. Um, but it was a good season because the prior season, the, the team was two and eight. Um, so my season, when I first started, my first season there was eight and two. And I finished second. The only team I lost to was Salford, who was the inevitable champions at the time. Now, Salford back then was in a, a, a program that recruited a lot of players at the highest tier. So we went against players that were dropping 34 points in a game, like, like it was comfortable. Um, and we battled hard against this team. But like I said, for me, I looked at it and I looked at the minimum. I said, all I need to do is surpass two games on a, winning, in a, in a, on a winning record for them to know that we're in a better place. After those two games, we kind of, Everyone started to get, they felt the vibe, you know what I mean? The, the squad was was gelling, you know what I mean? There was a few bad eggs, but obviously they were kind of put into a reality situation where they, they knew where they stood. Um, and the team came together and they started to perform brilliantly. You know what I mean? There was so much heart, you know what I mean? So that first season was a fantastic season for me. Because the first season is always a difficult season, isn't it? Because it's yeah. a transition, transitional period. Uh, not just for the coach, but for the players, more importantly, because especially for coaches being there for, say, X amount, four to five years, um, they're used to certain ways. I mean, especially at university, maybe they, they had a coach for two years because, you know, after three years they graduate. Um, they're just used to certain as you say, habits and certain surroundings and the way the, the actual practice, the environment. So as it's always a difficult period, but it's, it's great to see that you actually had an excellent season that they eventually, what they say, they buy into the system, they buy into the process, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so absolutely, they bought into the system. They bought in what I was trying to bring to the table. Um, and to be honest, I couldn't expect a better reaction to what I was trying to achieve. Um, Basketball isn't the number one sport, wasn't the number one sport there. It probably still isn't right now in, in Manchester, but you know what I mean? My objective there was for it to be a recognized sport in that university. Um, people need to know that we're over here, we're doing stuff. Um, and all the players knew that. All the players knew that. There was a difference in terms of kind of the, the, the connection or the cohesion 
Because in Westminster, you had the men's and the women's teams that were really close for years. Over here, when I first came here, the men and the women's team weren't really that close. Mm -hmm. They kind of done their own thing. But as the years have gone on, they've become closer. And it's, it's really important to have that camaraderie, isn't it? That whole team chemistry, that whole, um, as you say, that, that, that brotherhood and that sisterhood, um, especially in programs. Um, so moving on to the second season, usually, you know, when coaches develop their philosophy, you know it's successful from the second season because the results will eventually, as I say, naturally, the, the results will, will come. Um, I think one season in boxes is too short to have that transitional period for, for instant success. Normally it takes like a season or two because of the amount of games that you play. So the second season, describe how that was. Um, was that, uh, uh, did you see much better improvements in the actual results, in the, the trainings, the way that people responded to you? Oh, absolutely. So at the end of the first season, obviously there were players that were leaving us and we had a quite good core of first years that came in. Um, Manchester, University of Manchester attracts a lot of international players, a lot of international players from Cyprus, Greece, Spain, um, China, um, Asian continent. So we have a lot of, uh, and, and Europe as well, so we had a lot of uh, players that came in. So the core that came in was kind of the, literally the team that was kind of in the front, were the front runners for that squad in that first season. So I had them on for the second season. So you know as well as I do, when you've got a team, when you've got players that are leaving and you've managed to keep a core of those great players going into the next season, it's a great foundation to build everything else upon. So in that second season was probably the, the land, the milestone, um, which I set, which was a high one, which was the undefeated season, 10-0. So we went undefeated that whole season in the game. Congratulations. <laughs> so that, my second season was the league title. Um, so it was, it was a nice experience. Like I said, it was a nice experience. And that was promotion from, what division was that? We pro was promoted from um, division, where was we? We were promoted from division two to division one. Division one. Yeah. Okay, so um, one below the top division, which is premiership. Um, and you were playing at Division 1 for, say, you've been at Manchester for five years, since six years. Right, now. so what you don't know is when we went to Division 1, when we went to Division 1, we lost a ton load of players. <laughs> we lost a ton load, sorry. We lost a ton load of players in Division 1. So we were kind of clutching. So in that first beginning, that Division 1 season, in the first semester, we had a great okay team with that yeah we can survive because a lot of the girls went on placements so we kind of lost a lot of the players um so we had some of the girls that were like the bench players fringe players and then we had the ones that are new ones are coming in but you can tell from obviously when you as a coach you can tell this isn't as strong as what i had but looking at what we're going against i feel like we could be okay so in my mind i was optimistic and i thought we could go okay um well, we lost a lot of players after Christmas, and unfortunately, our stay in Division One was one season, and we got the, we got relegated back to Division Two. And then the, the following season, you know, now you have this: the players return, get some new talent, and then do you go straight back up? Or 
So it? the following season, which was season four, we um, got we got we got the new, our players back and a few other great players that came in. Um, Bucks, there's a thing, there's an issue with Bucks which I don't really like, and that's the the way they grade the teams. Um, so we got put into the B tier, and you know the B tier isn't as great as the A tier. Um, so the B tier, we play, we had nine games, which is unfortunate. We only had to play each team once, which everybody knows. If you play one team and you lose, that could kind of jeopardize your whole title run. So you've got to make sure you're on board. We came back. We started destroying teams, and we won the league again undefeated. <laughs> undefeated, another undefeated season. That was another undefeated season. Now saying that, I'm a, I'm not one of those coaches that when you know that a team is poor, you want to embarrass them. I would never do that. I would never embarrass a team. So even though I know that we're beating these teams. I would water down our, our, our ability and kind of strip it down to the basics to work on stuff rather than go out and just press someone for 40 minutes and I know they can't cope. And it was, it, was a, it was a bit of a shame, really, because even though we did that, the results were still quite bad. The results were still quite bad. But, yeah, we went up, we, got undefe- we went undefeated and we got promoted back to Division One again. And I think I think you touched on a, a great point, Coach, because it's it's I always believe and I, I fully support that it's about respecting the game. Because the game gives to you, you know, it gives you life skills, you, you meet people, you network. And I always believe you have to respect the game as well, which means the sportsmanship side, you know, the professionalism side. Because uh, I always think that's the stuff that we should be educating and teaching to the to the future generations. That it's not just about demoralizing your opponents or no. destroying them um, because that's not the game of, that's not to me the game of basketball whereas other coaches I've spoken to you know fair dues they have their own philosophy they have their own ideas on this uh, but I really respect uh, your opinion on that because I fully support that mm, I mean I don't get I don't I don't, I don't approve of it I've, I mean there was a few things that I had issues with especially that there was a, it's a, the, the smallest levels of junior basketball and teams are destroying teams 127 to 9 and I'm like why would you do that to a kid you know what I mean especially when they're coming into the sport why would you kind of demoralize a kid like that to not want to play basketball some people say it's tough love tough love you don't do that to a kid like that at that age you know, yeah. you know what I mean you need to get them invested in the sport you know what I mean they could take losses but they shouldn't take losses like that you know what I mean you have to kind of so for me even though these teams are poor and and kind of thing um, I find myself in that season playing a lot of my, my bench players a lot. They're getting a lot of game time um, over the starting five. I, can, I get the frustration of the starting five, starting six, starting seven players because they want to play. But, you know what I mean? They were all understood and they all understood and they supported it. So even though they couldn't play, they were energy from the bench. They were encouraging these players on the floor, you know, making sure that they're making the right moves, you know. And even at the end of games when we're playing against these teams, I've spoken to the players, the ones that, especially the ones that were in our opposition that are playing their hearts out, I'll go up to them at the end of the game and say, keep your head up. You're a good player. You're a good player. Just keep your head up. You know what I mean? Um, you know what I mean? And try to inspire them. And with that, I built a network with players from different universities and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You, you start to speak to a lot of players. So um, yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a, it, it was an easy season, but we were just itching 
to get back to D1 and show them what we can do, you know? I think, um, again, it's, it's all about sometimes the sportsmanship side forgets forgotten about. I'm not saying it's everyone, but I think it's, you know, the reasons why we play the game and putting yourself in, in you know, of, in their perspectives, like the losing team's perspective, because we've all been there, right? You yeah, have to go through, you have to go through the losses. Everyone's suffered those um, blowouts and those, you know, humiliating losses in a way. And, and those games where you just don't have an, you don't feel that you made the contribution. These players are feeling low. So those little things you mentioned, you know, even approached by the other coach, they remember these little things. You know, like, as you mentioned, I, I actually develop relationships with other players from other teams. And when I see them again, because, say, we play home and away, or even if, if I see them in the community, like in, in mm. local sessions, the respect is still there. And I think that's uh, an, an everlasting effect rather than, like you said, some people get caught up on, it's just me, I need, you know, we need to win, we need to be a winning program. And I, 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 these little, to me, these little skills and these little things that you, that you, that you do and you add helps develop you as a person, you as a coach, but it's also a reflection of your program too, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, go on. I think we're actually going on to your final season, right? Uh, or your the, the, the latter season. So uh, we actually skipped past the chapter. I think um, talk about the, the the team on your shirt. So Manchester Kings, right? Yeah. So Manchester Kings basically before. Oh, so before we started, we formed Manchester Kings. Or I formed Manchester Kings. I took on a coaching role. National League for juniors under 16s for a team called Oldham Eagles, which only lasted one. I only lasted one season. Um, I came. This is when I first moved up here officially. Um, I came into this program. Um, at the time, I was actually approached by Oldham and Manchester Giants youth team at the same time, um, and I had a decision to make, and I chose Oldham only because it was, I was given head coach rather than an assistant. I'm not an assistant. <laughs> not at that level. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not an assistant. Not at that level anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. Sorry. Um, and before, obviously, so with that Oldham Eagles program, um, with that Oldham Eagles program, at that same season, I was doing, no, it was the season after. Yeah, so, so in that first season, we took our, we were playing in the under-16s league. This team was, uh, it was teenagers. So teenagers, I don't know, for some reason at that age, in this area, it was very difficult to get the focus very quickly. But credit to that team, they played their heart out for that season and they finished second in the league. And they were the only team in that league to beat the team at the top spot. And, so, and this is, is this under-16s? Yeah. Under-16s. They were the only team to beat that team. And that team was killing every team in the league. And we divided. The first time we played them, we lost by 11. And I said, we're better than that. We can get them. So when they came back to us, we devised a plan. Um, and it worked. It couldn't, you know those games where you have the vice plan and it just absolutely works to perfection. Like, we had a plan and it worked to perfection. 
And at the end of that game, believe it or not, that team, I had, we, and it's not, not I don't want to brag about it, because like I said, it's quite unfortunate, but we had their best player crying at the end of that game. Because he couldn't believe we lost, and he couldn't believe how well we kind of played that game. You know, I mean, when players got a, a knack for winning, you forget how to lose. Mm. You know, when you forget how to lose, you don't know how to react. Um, so it was a really good season. That that was a really good season there. Um, that was a really good season there. And then we went into after that season. It was a we wanted to bring an under 18s program into the into the club. Um, I recruited a coach to come on take on the under 18s program. Um, unfortunately, we had a difference in opinion and how me and the person that was kind of foreseeing the club, the manager, club manager, had a difference in opinion on how the club was to be run. Um, I was asked for my input, but then the input wasn't respected. Um, so I decided to step away. But at the same time, when I stepped away, I left the under-18s coach there and said, you know what, they're there, we've got the players, let's build. So what happened was in that season, I asked the coach how's it going and he came back to me and said, I can't believe what's happened. I said, what happened? So the woman that, because I stepped away, the woman that was running it decided to disband the program of the under 18s. But the way she did it, the manner of what she did it wasn't respected. And it was, it was infuriating to me because I've put in the work to get these players to travel across it. For you know, Manchester, Oldham's not the closest. So for them to travel up to Oldham to come and be a part of this team was a commitment that they were showing and willing to do. Um, so when he told me that she disbanded the club and the manner she disbanded the club, I said, well, I didn't have plans to do Kings until the following year. So I was like, that's it. I'm going to form this club. So the first season that we formed the club, we actually just went local league um, with Kings, which is Mabel, Manchester Amateur Basketball League. Um, so we went more locally with that team. And it was two teams we formed. We had a youth team, which was the average age on that team was probably about 17, 18. And then we had the, the guys that were a little bit older, um, which was even, I played that season as well, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and um, dust off the shoes, coach. I dust off the shoes for that season. It was, it was nice to play, to be fair. Um, and um, we kind of started out the club with 30 members, 30 members in that first season. Um, that first season was a good season for us. We won the league that season. The first season then we won the league. I got recognised as coach of the year. Officially on their website, no messing about. Yeah, officially coach of the year for, the, for Mabel that year as well. Um, and like I said, the, set, the youth team didn't win, but they going against men and they showed, you know what I mean? We decided to step them up and say, let's, let's get you against men. Let's get you into the deep end straight away and put them in that situation. And that's how, it, that's how the club started, really, you know? And um, so where is it looking to progress to? These are probably some... Some potential plans, you know. Yeah. So. Or yeah. So the last, just 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 to, to go back a bit, the, the last season, obviously this season with the university, we won the league, as you know, in Division One. Um, but our Premiership ambitions were stifled because of the pandemic, so we've had to remain in Division One again. Oh, is that official then? Yeah, we've had to remain in Division One for the. For the okay, season. so is is that across the board of Bucks? That's then? across yeah. the board. It's across the board. So 
any play, any if there's more than two play teams that want to promote, um, if there's more than two teams that want to promote to a next league, I don't know if it's at anything lower than divisional. If it, in the prem, if anyone wants to promote to the prem and there's more than two teams, everybody remains where they are. I'm not sure if it is the same for outright leaders of a, a tier lower. I don't know if that's the case. Um, it may be. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so we were we were stifled and we have to uh, compete again in Division One, which we're all looking forward to. The girls are fantastic and ecstatic about that. But um, how it's moved now is I've got the players, the girls that have been playing in the um, Bucks University League to come over to play for the women's branch of Manchester Kings, which is Manchester Valkyries. Um, and it was more of an opportunity at first. We kind of wanted as an opportunity to give them extra games because, as you know, box season is short-lived, you know what I mean? And this kind of propelled their season from a 10-game season to about 25, 30 games, you know what I mean? So it was more of a, an opportunity and everybody was up for it. So we, we kind of added now the women's program, which is Valkyries. We still got the two teams. And now we are about to try and enter National League Division Three. Um, so there's now three men's teams and one women's team. And we're about to uh, branch out on our community program, which is King's Community. So there's a lot of diversity and that will be run by strictly women coaches. Wow. Women. wow. That'll be run by women coaches. Very impressive, coach. Very impressive. Like, um, I was um, listening. So the National League program is for the women's? Or was it for the men's? No, it's for the men's. This year, I, I, I couldn't do the women. I wanted to do the women's this year, but I couldn't do it this year because we haven't got enough hands on deck at the moment. So I've got, had to remain realistic. Um, I've got coaches for local league and I've got national league. Um, so for, for me, I'll be heading the national league program. Um, so we decided to leave it one year. Next year, we were looking to push for national league for the women's also. And then hopefully the junior program will be off and running in some form so we can format some league in with them as well. So um, this season, you, you won the league. So congratulations. Uh, the first division, I think it's the first uh, in terms of actual quality and higher standard of league that the women's basketball program in Manchester have won the first division, correct? Yeah, I mean, we've always been close in terms of the lower tiers and stuff like that. And obviously, like this year when we had our the season, well, season just gone. Um, when we this year when we had the team, um, we had an amazing, literally an amazing set of players come through the doors. Absolutely fantastic, and players. I've had players that have been even in their master year that came back and and wanted to be a part of this and. When, when we had the trials and I finished the trials and I looked at this squad, um, we had a squad of 20 players for that first team. And um, I looked at this squad and said, this is a, a competitive squad. You know what I mean? I know people look at it and say 20 players is a lot of players, but these girls all knew that they had to compete week in, week out to be on that squad. And then we had to consider the girls that are masters, which are not going to be there week in, week out. So we had a players that really competed really understood if they weren't selected and really knew what they had to do to get back into the team and stuff like that. And we kind of went against one of our biggest adversaries, which is Sheffield Hallam, and we conquered them. Um, um, so when we found out 
on the last game of the season, well, the second to last game of the season that we won the league, I was in tears. I was in tears because we met, we, we, we were prem bound now. We were prem bound. And it's something that I really wanted to, really, really wanted the team or the club to be and where we needed to be and where we wanted us to be. So when I heard that they lost their game, I was like, I can't believe it. Like, we're actually there, you know? And uh, it was such an amazing, amazing uh, feeling. The girls obviously get to sort of my emotional side, which obviously um, the last time I did that was when the girls and the guys won the league at Westminster. That's the last time I cried like that. Um, it was, it was, and obviously the timing of it because obviously in December my grandmother passed, so it was kind of like a, a such an overwhelming, overwhelming feeling. You know what I mean? It's like a, she guided me to that. You know, it was, it was really nice. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. They won the league, you know. What I mean, we won the score prem, but we're ready for next season. We're hunting, and now because of that, the university have now recognised the basketball program as one of an elite pro, uh, an elite elite program in the university, one of four. Um, so now we have what they call a sports elite sports performance team that works with the University of Basketball for Women, um, and that entails strength and conditioning sessions. Um, physio sessions, training sessions, extra basketball sessions, you know what I mean? Um, videoing of games, you know what I mean? All the support that's required to me. And these are, they, they pick, they're basically designed for people or for players, excuse me, that want to go beyond university basketball with their basketball. So go on to play for their national league teams or their national teams and stuff like that. So we've really kind of created that avenue, which is fantastic. And I feel like uh, we've worked so hard to get where we are with this right now. I, I remember looking at the, the social media content that was being shared, you know, that moment where you actually showing that emotion when you won the championship. And I, I remember seeing it and I actually felt, I actually felt for you, coach, because I know the hard work that you actually put into to, to programs, especially when, when I was coaching. Um, and I know that that level of effort and that care um, in your work will transfer and transition to wherever you go. So, um, and for the, for the team to actually show that as well, it shows that they're proud of their coach. Felt like those Premier League moments, you know, when they get the call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the last, <laughs> the last game of the season, you get the call. Yeah, absolutely. Literally, because we've got one of the girls, their parents, her parents always come to the games and they've been magnificent through the whole season. Every home game they've been there. And they're like my information on the sideline to let me know what's going on around the league. So literally when we're coaching, I think I was about five minutes left of that game. And they've told me, yo, they just lost by 40. I was like, what? By 40? No way. But it was 30. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh my God. Is it, we've done it. Like, you know what I mean? We've done it with a game to spare. But obviously, like, we didn't want to go out like that. So we wanted to finish our season with the next game with a win. But like I said, it was such a, it was a, an eccentric moment, man. Was, and like I said, in it, for me, with all the coaching and everything I deliver, it's not just to be basketball players. It's for them to be better people. You know what I mean? So there was always that mental element that I tried to instill in these players for them to come greater and do greater things. I believe that a lot of players that I've worked with in the universities all over the, the, the from between eight and 20, oh, that's about, geez, that's 12 years. Yes, in university, um, they've gone on to do some great stuff. Like these players have gone on to do some really great stuff. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's all me or, or it's, it's, I might have contributed to it, but their head's right. 
and, and that's all I've ever wanted, you know what I mean, for some of these people. So, um, yeah, it's really no, nice. I, when you say you might, Coach, I think you definitely contribute because, you know, the basketball is a place that I feel students want to be there. I know everyone wants to learn and, you know, study. Uh, and that's part of it. But it's the extracurricular. As you said, it's, uh, it's, and you've brought that to a competitive level. And I think, um, especially when you get the athletes that come in year in, year out, a lot of the time they spend is on, that they remember is on the basketball court, you know, uh, that, that kind of memories that they have. So, and it helps shape them. It definitely did for me, for sure. Um, and you were awarded the coach of the year at the... Uh, yeah, UOM. it came back awesome. again. <laughs> <laughs> It came back again, um, but this one apparent. Well, this one was is, is a long time coming. I mean, it's been around with the university for a long time, but like I said, basketball wasn't one of their their fully focused sports um, for a long time, and we've been just slowly climbing the ladder. Um, I did share it with a I did share it with the football coach, um, but like I said, in it for me to be up there with football firsts and and over and and, and being better than netball. You know what I mean? Which is a fantastic program in the university. Um, it's a major achievement to achieve that. You know what I mean? And be recognised on what we've done. Two back-to-back promotions. You know what I mean? And and the girls have, like I said, the girls have been so magnificent through the whole season, even up to now. They've been so amazing. My captains have been so amazing. All the players have been great. Um, um, it, it's, it's well. It's I owe it to them. You know what I mean? I owe it to them. And I owe it to, 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 to them for believing in what I can achieve, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's great. It's really nice. Congratulations again, Coach. It's a, to me, it's a, a phenomenal achievement when, you, when not only you've created like a, a, a structure, a system, but you've implemented that at two different universities and you could see the results from it, you know? Yeah. Um, you could see that you're winning championships, um, not just the winning, but it's also how your players respond to you. Like I said, that the video of them filming you, um, the comments that I see, you know, I, I know that you work with a lot of the athletes one-to-one as well. I see that online. Um, they develop that trust with you. And I think um, that's a compliment to the work that you that you put in. And it's, it's, it's to, to win two coach of the years at different, SUs as well uh, is a remarkable achievement. So um, really good coach, really inspiring. Uh, I appreciate that definitely. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's always been for me, it's just about making a difference and you know how difficult it is for basketball in the country as it is already, you know what I mean? And everybody that kind of puts a step in the right direction, we can make it fantastic. And, and, and like I said, there's, there's loads of people out there like myself that's trying to do that, even yourself. Um, so, um, nah, it was, it's, like I said, it's nice, but we, we, you know I mean, we just want basketball to be great, you know? I agree, uh, 100%. Um, just uh, don't want to take up too much of your time, Coach. It's been a, a great first session, I think. Um, we've touched on your whole career. Just a few final questions, because um, always interesting. I'm, I know you mentioned about Bucks. You know, um, I do believe that it's a it's a organization, a league that kind of it gets what's the word? I wouldn't say. Uh, but for example, say if you're a national league coach, you get that respect, isn't it? You get that. Yeah. Oh, he, he coaches a national league program. Whereas box people would see, uh, oh, it's like, oh, you just as you mentioned earlier, you coach university students, you know. Mm. Um, but I do believe over the years, box 
has increased its quality and its caliber and the, and its reputation is growing. I mean, we're getting athletes from overseas actually competing in box now. You know, American athletes coming in, European athletes actually coming in to do master's degree, continue their playing in box. Um, where would you see, uh, what is your experience with box? And, and, you know, where do you see it going? And like, do you, do you feel it's a, a good platform for coaching and UK basketball? I, yeah, I mean, in the beginning with box, it was kind of like I said, it was just like Asia sources, universities, they got teams. It didn't matter whether it was coaches or ex-players or whatever, just did, taking the platform as a coach, it was kind of on that level. Um, but of recent years, um, it's there to see you've got actual head coaches um, of national programs, BBL programs, that are now taking these panels, you know what I mean, and being coaches in universities. University is a big thing. You get your foundation or some of your players from universities, you know what I mean? Like, you check any program, for example, MMU, they've got a fantastic program over there. They've got Callum Jones, who plays for Manchester Giants. Okay, he's running a, he's running a program over there. But, thing in that, a lot of the players, or some of the players that coach from the women's team, you've got Jeff Jones, that coach at MMU for the women's team. Some of these players play for Mystics. Some of these players play for Giants. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of these players play for Magic. You know what I mean? So, um, now box is kind of attracting the way they're doing it now which is really good they're attracting all these other caliber of coaches and for me i would relish opportunity to go against coaches that i've recognized to see where i am at you know what i mean it's always a nice feeling i mean in my past i've gone up against i've gone up against vince from london lions and i think me too. Did. <laughs> yeah i've gone up against vince i've gone up against steve bucknell young blood you know what I mean? So I've gone up mm. against a few coaches in London. Um, in my early stages of women's basketball, I went against Andrea. That wasn't, that was like one of my reality, first reality checks. Andrea gave me a reality check because uh, her program in, in South London was, uh, it, was uh, it was crazy. It was absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, to go up against these guys, obviously, and kind of see what they're doing. And you still learn from them, even though they were in the other hot seat, you still learn from them. You know what I mean? The calm, the way they say certain things, you, you kind of think, and obviously you still got your thing, so you want to achieve your goal. I've gone up against the uh, head coach for Sheffield Hallam, um, Sheffield Hatters, and, and when she, because she coaches Sheffield Hallam as well. You know what I mean? So I've gone up against a various of different coaches uh, from different programs and different levels, um, and it's always nice to see where you're at, because at first when you see these coaches, you're like, how do I get to that level? How do I be like them? Like, you know what I mean? But then when you get to that coaching situation, even though it might be a level down to them, you're thinking you're really not that far off. You know what I mean? You're really not that far off. So, yeah, I think Bucks is doing a great, a great job in um, kind of um, enticing all these coaches to take part. Absolutely. I mean, of course, inevitably, it, it goes with funding, isn't it? You know, yeah. the more teams that get funded, the more Bucks get funded, you know. Uh, clubs and programs can develop. I think um, what we've seen more recently is um, it was happening before, but you see it more now is that clubs are, are now developing a, a collaboration or a partnership with a, say, National League program. So you got, you know, uh, Essex Rebels with University of Essex, or, you know, you have Worcester Wolves with the, you know, University of Worcester, is that correct? I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and also you have 
other programs, Solent with University. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a pattern, and I think the collaboration goes both ways, isn't it? It's like you know they they exchange court times more more than the player. What people think is just players that go within the clubs. You know, players have that opportunity to train with them, but it's like court time. You know, recognition, um, e- extra things that the collaboration can. But it's to me, it's just hard to find the right collaboration, which a lot of universities such as yourself. Um, you end up actually forming your own clubs because of this. Do you agree on that? Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, it's, it, it's to be honest, it, it's hard. Um, like I said, when I first came, like I said, it's uh, when I came up here, you had Magic, you had Giants, you know what I mean? You had Lancaster Spinners, you know what I mean? These clubs are the, the, the pillar of Manchester area, you know what I mean? Um, Manchester Magic have a fantastic junior programme. Um, going up to the Nationals. Giants have a good junior programme and then they've, they've got the Pro Elite but they've got a gap. Um, and then you've got Spinners that kind of rebranded now and, and my, my, my colleague or my friend Greg, who's head coach there, doing an amazing job. Um, but you've got, these kind of, you've got these kind of teams and they, they kind of got their ties to like Loretto, uh, Maisco, um, you know what I mean? All these um, Trinity College, all these programs, you know what I mean? And it kind of leaves you kind of in a situation where you kind of have to set up something brand new um, to, to, to make a doorway. Um, and I feel like, um, like I said, in it at the beginning, you're going to get players. How can I say? You're going to get players that in their eyes wasn't good enough. You're going to bring them to you and your opportunity is to show them what they're worth. You know what I mean? And then um, maybe you can't do as much as you want, so they end up, might be end up going back there, or they might keep the faith. But the guys that keep the faith are the ones that propel your club. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. players that are ex-Magic or et cetera, um, and these guys have kept the faith in me to help my club or their club or our club go to the next level. You know what I mean? So even us going to this next stage of D3 and stuff like that, I haven't recruited externally per se. I've given these guys the opportunity because they're the ones that help me get it. You know? They're the foundation. They're the foundation. Absolutely. They're the foundation. Um, and it's nice that, because I, I went to a conference with Basketball England last year and they were mentioning how they want to include Bucks more into the kind of in a way, a streamline the way that players are now progressing. You know, it's an option for them because a lot of these kids, they just see what we call the American dream, isn't it? Mm. Uh, whereas now, if programs keep developing, such as yourselves, um, they, can, they can understand, oh, we don't need to go abroad to get that higher standard. Of course, everyone Absolutely. wants to play in America, but you can actually compete at Bucks, find a university that plays within Bucks and still develop yourself as a person, as an athlete, um, especially with what you mentioned earlier, what your program includes, like strength and conditioning, you know, nutritional advice. These things are really important in developing athletes, um, which I think is, is, is great for the, the, the actual talent here in the UK, isn't it? Mm. No, I definitely agree. And, and that is important to the UK basketball. If we can, at university level, get our programs to be at a level where they don't have to be enticed to go to the States. It grows here. Basketball grows here. 
it grows not just in London or Manchester, it grows in the whole of the UK. And we get more respect, we get better funding, we can do so much more. But if we have to keep filtering out these players that go to the States, and some of these guys take a gamble, and I'm not saying all of them, some of these guys take a gamble to go to the States because opportunity there, but it's not the best fit. It's not the best fit for them. They come back discouraged. And in basketball, is a dead path. It, it no longer sees to exist for them. You know what I mean? And, and, and I agree 100% with the, the fit. I think a lot of players now, as, as I mentioned, see the American dream. You know, but it's people don't understand. Um, listening to and speaking to like people with experience that play, players that play pro, you know, they travel by themselves. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult transition. I mean, and especially for players to go to America, study by themselves away from family. And some, and usually in America, well, not usually, but you have to work five times as hard because they're not going to let, especially players on the team, usually, unless you're super talented, they're not going to let someone, say, from a foreigner from London or uh, come into the programme and, and take your starting spot. And that's how competitive it is in America. You know, um, I, remember, I remember listening to a podcast, I think um, it was with Justin Robinson, and he actually said, you know, in America, they don't care where you're from. Like, they don't care if you've been, I don't know, MVP at uh, a tournament. They'll just go out. And that's the kind of mentality, he said, the competitiveness, uh, which is different from UK to America, which is, which is great to actually hear uh, the difference. And I've had the, had the kind of honour and the, the fortunate opportunities to coach American athletes, and I can see their mentality. It's, it's the way they train, the way they are, it's completely different. And sometimes... The frustration is there because they they see it in the UK culture. It's not instilled, which we're trying to develop, isn't it? We're trying to develop that that kind of um, program and that that strong competitive environment, which you know it comes over time, isn't it? Mm. We've, um, like you said, in it, like you go over to the states, you you need to be justified why you're here and why you're taking this spot away from a homegrown. You know, so you're not going to be let up easy. So it's a mindset. If you can either rise to the challenge or be intimidated by it, you know, some people try and excel. You know, I mean, you've got guys like in my era, Julius Joseph, uh, Jermaine Forbes, Junior Williams, you know, um, Pierre Henry Fontaine could have been a, a prospect over there. Um, so many other different names that you've had that's gone over there, kind of Justin Robinson, that's gone over there, proved their worth. You know what I mean? Being regular starters and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And, and returned home. Matthew Bryant. You know what I mean? Mm. That's gone there and, and proved their worth and, and returned home. Uh, better players. You know what I mean? Mm. And stuff like that. But then there's some people that the opportunity comes. They feel like this is it. And they don't, they don't succumb to that opportunity. You know what I mean? And then you're left in a limbo. Or they want to they wanna do a, a transfer. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be that way. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be that way. But, um, yeah, like you said, the American mentality is they come over here, they identify where we're at, you know. And I feel like because of that situation and, and we're using stepping stones to other destinations, even at the pro level. It's true. That's very true. Um, get your stats up and I'm out. That, that's very true. Um, it's hard, and especially... The way the manner is, it's hard to to kind of build a relationship with them in such a short space of time. Do you know what I mean? Um, if they were here, say, for three or four years, it's uh, it's a different story. But 
I think that's a difficult challenge as a coach. What I've, what I've realised as well, going back to our previous point about, you know, the talent and the pipeline that they go through. I don't know if you've seen it in your programme, but I've, I, I'm getting more National League players actually joining my programme. Yeah. So I've got um, two of my starters. One came from Youngbloods um, and that programme. Um, and one came from Holy Trinity uh, Academy School. Um, and it's to me, I, I, I see it as... Uh, it's really good because it ups our game as coaches as well when we yeah. actually see uh, and coach at that level and, and the talent level, um, especially what they've learned from other coaches because these, these guys that come from academies, they, they're probably coached by uh, I don't know, GB coaches, England coaches, uh, top-level coaches, as you said, like big names, and then they come to your program. So it, it rises your um, it, it forces you to kind of uh, elevate your game as a coach as well, which I've seen. I, have you experienced that as well? Well, I don't get per se many players coming from National League over here, but what I do get is a lot of players internationally that play for the, for the nations, um, nationalities. Um, and I do entice mystics knocking on my door for a few players as well. So we got girls that come in over from different countries that mystics want to take to add to their program and stuff like that. So we've kind of had that slight, that small connection with, with the WBBL program here when they Amazing. come in. Yeah. in. But we've got players here that in their own country, they, they, they're top form, you know what I mean? They're yeah. top players, you yeah. know what I mean? And they, they show it, you know? Um, it's not hearsay, it's online. You can see this stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we, we don't, like I said, I'd love to get more homegrown talent to say, yeah, we play mm. here, we're coming here. Because um, a lot of them are looking for that full ride, and as yeah. our institutions are academic, um, it's not something that we can per se offer. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so they kind of choose the MMUs over the University of, kind of in that situation. But like I said, in it is, it's 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 always nice to know that you can get that kind of player, and it it does it does a kind of make you step to the plate because you want to say, wow, they've come over here from a high tier. I've got to make sure that I can deliver. And mm. the feedback that you get, and even for me, I think the feedback that I've got, like, I've got amazing feedback from these players. Like, you know what I mean? It's not the same as what they've learned. They've learned something different. And, and you can benefit from any different coaches, many different things. So they've learned something different. They've benefited a different way, a different mindset. You know what I mean? And they've taken and added it to their repertoire. So yeah, I'm grateful for that, man. No, it's, 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 I agree 100%, coach. Um, if you look at, you know, uh, when you coach at box level, at that higher level, say the age group of 18 plus, um, it's a different ball game to coaching youth. You know, it's, it's, I believe it's more of a mentorship. Um, uh, of course, you're developing them as players as well, but it's definitely uh, a lot more because they're, they're transitioning from teenage to adult. Um, and sometimes you get really older students as well that come in um, that are very mature. So it's your man management, you know, your team management skills. Um, and it's a different style of culture, which I enjoy because you're, you're a, a crucial part of their lives where they transition from, as you say, academic education to professional. And yeah. if you can provide, say your sports program can provide an avenue, maybe they realize, okay, you know what? I can pursue basketball. I can play for a, a pro team in Manchester. Um, it's good you're providing those avenues and building those relationships so eventually they can continue playing no matter where they are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's, mm. it's, it's just what we want to do. We just want to provide that opportunity and avenue, you know what I mean? And 
and help them become wherever they want to go. Yeah. Whether it's pro here, pro abroad, you know, this is what we want to do. Perfect, Coach. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's Listen, uh, the first ever episode. Listen, I just want to, like I said, thank you again for obviously being the first first episode. Um, I want to say also, um, it's so amazing to see where you are now. Um, you've come a long way from being that kid with the Mohican and ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've come a long way from that person, you know what I mean? And you know, we we've gone even we've gone through it in practice as player and coach, but you've always come out on the best side, you know what I mean? And you've you've evolved as a person, you know what I mean? You're a family man, you've got so much things doing great things, you know what I mean? And just keep it up, man. Keep doing what you're doing. The University of Man Westminster is absolutely fantastic hands, man. So yeah, well done for that as well, man. Love, coach. Really appreciate that. As I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, I said, you know, um, I'm very thankful to have you as a coach, a mentor, and more importantly, as a friend. Because um, no disrespect to my other coaches, I got so much love for them, but. I actually don't speak to them how I speak to you. Like, we don't catch up how we do. Um, it's, you know, that's just the, the way of life. But I'm very yeah. fortunate to have a coach that, I, you know, that can we, we've actually grown together. And I, I'm just happy to have you. And, and it's a pleasure to actually see you and your journey as well continue and, and you continue to inspire at other universities and, and inspire other teams. So it's amazing, coach. Thank you. Is there any last shout-outs that you want to give out? Um... Well, obviously, you know that I do my own podcast, um, yeah. which is um, Dem Mandir Podcast. That's D-E-M-M-A-N-D-E-R-E Podcast. Um, we do a podcast, but it's not just about basketball. It's about everything, everyday life, different things, films, music, shows, uh, dramas, um, and basketball as well, because we are coaches. Um, you can catch that on Spotify. You can catch it on Apple Music. You can catch it on SoundCloud. Coach, did, so, you, say did you say Spotify? Did I say, Spo did I say Spotify? Spotify. Spotify. Is it Spotify? You can catch it on Spotify. Um, why did I say Spotify? That's terrible. I think I've been saying it all this whole time. Yeah, you can um, catch it on Spotify as well. Um, um, like I said, it's just uh, about everything and every day. You know what I mean? We're happy to hear things. You can check us out on... Um, on Twitter as well. That's at Demandir underscore podcast. You can check us out there as well and see what we're about. Nice. And also uh, Manchester Kings, I see that you're building a website. When will that be live? You've tapped into everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Right now it's gonna be I've got, I'm just I'm just tweaking a few things. Um how did you find it? <laughs> <laughs> you're sharing it. You're sharing it on your it, I haven't actually seen it. it no, there's a new one now. Instagram there's story. a new one. Okay. Got a new one now, uh, which is a new one, which is it's out there, but it's not finished. Um, so I won't publicly announce it for next week or so. Uh, okay. But it will go to the new website, but when it comes out live, um, you definitely get to see it. Perfect. We'll, we'll definitely shout it out. All right, Coach. Um, enjoy the rest it. of your day. Appreciate the time as always. Um, but yeah, take care. Appreciate it.